Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? Here at More to Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Angela Sackett. And I'm Lisa Pulliam. And together, we want to help you think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. Welcome to part two of Be the Mentor, as we dig a little deeper into Titus 2 and practical helps for walking out this calling as women of God. So last time we talked together, we hit on some of the barriers to mentoring and one of those really being fear. We also talked a little bit about practically how we can give and receive wisdom right where we are in our season of life. And Lisa, today you're going to take us a little deeper into this idea of mentoring, how that looks in real life, and even a little bit more about the biblical philosophy behind it. Yeah, I love this. So we did read last time from Titus 2, and we looked at two key passages, Titus 2, 3 through 5, as well as 11 through 15. So I just want to unpack that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Some of these scriptures are going to be super familiar. So starting with verse 3, it says, we need to teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. So love that, right? Not really. Mm. We... <laughs> We're immediately called into account as the older women. And I think, well, is older like 50 and older or is it like 40 and older? And really it's older. And and where I saw this play out in my uh, experience, I had teenage girls come for our date night once a week so that Stephen and I could go out on a date. And we, these girls were girls that I wanted to be influences over my children, especially my older girls at the time were in um, a later elementary into middle school. And so the, these girls became the girls that I really first mentored. And the way we did it is that they would come, I, Steve and I would go out on the state and then we would come home about a half an hour before they needed to be in for curfew. And I would plop down on the couch and start talking. How was your day? How was your time? What's going on with you? And often I would have something in the back of my mind that I could share with them that I was going through in which I was seeing God teach me a lesson. Mm. And I didn't always have something, but I, I tried to have like something that would translate to either like growing in my identity in Christ or learning how to love my husband better or how, uh, what I was going through with the girls. And I would often ask them like, what do you see is going on in the girl's life? Like, what are some of the things that you think they're struggling with? And how would you handle that situation? Now, mind you, they were 16 years old, but I felt they had a vantage point into my girl's lives that I wanted their perspective on. Mm -hmm. And if I brought to their attention in that sort of side-by-side way, a challenge I thought my daughters were facing, I thought maybe they could speak into their lives. And they did. And that became part of our normal weekly conversation, what they ended up talking to the girls about that night. And so in an un, in a very intentional way in my part, without them knowing I was being intentional about it, I was almost setting an agenda for them as babysitters. It wasn't just a show up and have a dance party with the lights out in the bedroom, which they did. And they had a great time because these were great young women, but they took it a step further and really engaged the hearts of my girls in such a valuable way that my daughters see these girls as their mentors. And it was a position that they were voluntold to step into, not choose (laughs) it. Right. They just, you know, I kind of see that there's a, this is so by the grace of God. And I love how he redeems 
um, the current generation when we're faithful to yield to him and obey him. But I see this playing out with my daughter and I know you do too with your girls um, in our home. One of the things that she loves to do is bake. Mm-hmm. And she's had the opportunity a few times um, with, we've got a little girl that lives on our street, Cutie Patootie, um, mm-hmm. who my daughter will invite over to every once in a while, bake with her, or sometimes yes. they color together too. And um, I, I was watching her one day and just um, kind of standing back blown away in awe of how she is teaching mm-hmm. this little girl, not just about how to make cookies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, her mama teaches her how to make cookies, but how to be a young woman, Um, the way that she talks to her little brother when he comes into the room, gives him a hug and snuggles with him, or the way that she doesn't scoff at her older brother, Mm -hmm. Um, even down to the way that she dresses and chooses to, you know, present her body. And I don't even know that she realized that she does now. And we talk about, you know, ways to be intentional in it. But um, because she is a woman of God, even at 17, in his word, letting him transform her. Um, she's naturally doing that. She is the older woman. Right. Those girls. Right. And that's the, that's the crazy thing is that we want to look at this passage and say older women means gray hair. (laughs) And, and, and really, if you are a year older than somebody else, a month, a day older, you, you become the older woman. And what is the goal is to live in a way that honors God. It doesn't say, live in a way that honors God perfectly, never sinning, never doing anything wrong, never disobeying, never failing. It's the pursuit of honoring God that mm-hmm. is what Paul is urging through the women to pursue. And in, in Paul's urging to Titus to teach the women, it's about this focus of honor. Mm-hmm. And there's freedom in that. Yeah. And so it continues, and, and Paul gets very clear here. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. So right there we have, what should you do to honor God? Well, don't gossip, don't slander. And really, I translate this to, I take liberty on this, don't be addicted. Yeah. Because I think it's really easy to say, well, I'm not an alcoholic, but am I addicted to social media? Mm-hmm. I'm not an alcoholic, but am I addicted to uh, shopping or mm-hmm. approval? Like, what is that thing that becomes a God in our life instead of God himself? Yeah. And you know what? It does. And you're going to get there. Scripture does encourage us to speak that, to teach that. But people notice it, whether we say it or not. Yeah. My neighbors notice when I don't go for the third glass of wine, the second glass of wine. Right. Maybe the first in your case, if God's put that on your heart. Your kids notice when you're not glued to social media for all of your affirmation. Yeah. And, and it just, it's an obstacle to honoring God rather than a vehicle to honor God. So in verse four, it says the old, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. Mm. I think there's such freedom in that, in that loving is hard. Mm. We have to be taught how to love that to me is remarkable. Mm. Uh, And so how does that manifest? I don't think it's just in a Bible study class. It's not just talking about scripture. It's actually living life alongside somebody, watching them practice the act of loving Mm -hmm. to their husband and to the the children that God has given them by birth or by spiritual adoption or any other means possible. And so how can we as the older women be intentional about learning how to love so that we can teach how to love? 
And so that's where it's that mentoring cycle circle. It's not just, you're never just the mentor. You're always the mentee while being the mentor. Right? So what else in that passage? Um, To live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes. So this is where the great divide starts to come in. Uh, The way work in the homes is translated is caring for the house, keeper of the house, taking care of the household affairs. It doesn't say not having a job that you're paid for. Mm -hmm. So even if we are working outside of the home or if we're working from home in a professional capacity like what I'm doing, the ultimate responsibility here that, that Paul is urging to Titus and to for Titus to teach the women in his congregation is a commissioning. You're the keeper of the house. Mm. You get to manage the household affairs. That's part of your God-ordained responsibility that will give God honor. And that is what you need to be passing down to the next generation. And so it doesn't say like Martha Stewart or our modern day version would be like, <laughs> like fixer upper, you know, right. That each generation has their like identity of who is like the hospitality yeah. homemaking guru. It doesn't say a uh, decorate to the best of your ability mm-hmm. or um, make the most gourmet meals you could ever make. Um, it says, take care of the needs of your household. Mm-hmm. And so what are those needs and how are you doing that for the glory of God? And, you know, sometimes I think the best, quote, mentoring, teaching example we set is when we say no. Sometimes it may be, uh, no, I can't take on that third responsibility outside the home because I need to be home when my husband gets there. Or I need to, maybe maybe you're not the one who cooks, but maybe it's Mm -hmm. creating space for that to happen or making a plan for that to happen. But that um, saying no, I think. And I remember that being a young wife, uh, having a pastor's wife who had really strong boundaries and she did not take on a whole lot of extra commitments during the season when she was a pastor's wife and a Bible teacher and had small children at home. That was it. That's Mm -hmm. all she did. She Mm -hmm. wasn't in a whole bunch of community clubs. And so really being willing to, as a woman, listen to and look for um, the places in your life, whatever season you're in. Mm-hmm. To say no sometimes, right? Right, right. And, and to look ahead, I've had to do that uh, while we're recording this. We're in the middle of basketball season, and I've got mm-hmm. two middle schoolers playing on two different basketball teams, and my husband is an assistant coach for the varsity team. So there's no after-school transportation. There's only one of me, and my husband is mostly committed with late practices while the Twinables are getting off at various times. <laughs> So caring for my household literally means scaling back my work hours and not taking clients and not taking on projects at certain times because I need to be available to drive to and from. And I don't think that we think, uh, you know, caring for your homes means also playing taxi cab driver <laughs> or you know chauffeur extraordinaire. But that is part of my responsibility and my calling in this season of my life is to be able to be available to transport my children. And you know what I see in that? I see an example setting also for what it requires of you, which is trusting in God. I am trusting God in this season. If I say no to this, this, and this, if I write less, if I, you know, I'm in less committees at church or at work, 
he will provide if I'm faithful to what he's calling me to. And your kids are seeing that. The people you work with are seeing that. The women at church are seeing that. Right. You might not even have to say it out loud. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But well, what I what I do need to be careful of is what I don't say out loud, which is the grumbling. Right. Mm-hmm. So so I can do <laughs> yep. this. I could do this with a grumbling attitude or I can do this with a, a glorifying like, oh, God, this is wonderful. I get to drive all these hours, which is <laughs> not ever going to be me. But sometimes just not saying anything, not verbalizing the grumble and responding with a I'm happy to come get you. I'll see you in 25 minutes. And, and so God is sanctifying me and transforming me into an attitude of gratitude for the privilege I have to be able to have a car and listen to a podcast or sit quietly with the Lord while I'm driving and just connect with him for that 25 or 30 minutes. And and honestly, the mindset shift that I have had to take at this first world challenge of transporting my children was something that another sister in Christ challenged me on. I mean, I was talking to her about the struggle of like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And she said, "It. you have your kids as a captive audience. You have a set apart 25 minutes of downtime where you're not doing anything else but just driving. How can you make the most of it? And so that is, in many ways, she was mentoring my heart to look for ways to honor God as I cared for what he has called me to care for. Yes. So there's more. (laughs) Uh, This passage goes on. So uh, to be submissive to their husbands. And now everybody's clicking off on the podcast. Don't you do that. (laughs) Don't you do that. Stay with us. Don't go away. So uh, this submissive, I automatically go to the Ephesians 5 passage. Uh, Ephesians 5.21 inscribed inside my ring um, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We can be strong-willed. We can be uh, opinionated. We can be gifted and talented as women. But the question is, will we submit one to another out of reverence for Christ? And if you look at the Ephesians passage, the responsibility of a husband in a marriage setting is to lay down his life like Christ laid down his life for the church. It is sacrificed to the point of death. And so what we should, ought to, uh, ideally, how many adjectives <laughs> can I put in there, be submitting to is to a husband who makes that submission process an act of love out of our desire unto them. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen, broken world. And the men in our life are not always living up to the biblical example that Christ has said. And that process of submission is hard. So if you you who are listening are in a situation that you are being abused emotionally, physically, verbally by your husband, taking that is not submission. Taking that is dysfunction. And I would highly encourage counseling uh, for you, even if he won't go and focus on the family has a, a phone number on their website. If you go to the focus on the family, uh, dot com or the American Association of Christian Counselors, you can look up to find Christian counselors in your area and you can ask them, say, I need, I need help. And if finances are something that is a struggle for you, you can actually say, I'm in a really difficult financial situation. Do you have a sliding scale? And 
you will find the person that can help you. It may take seven or eight or nine or a dozen calls, but I would pursue getting help in that situation. You know, that's a little sobering, but we struggle over the word submissive to their husbands because of the situations in which biblical submission isn't being modeled. Um, So yes, being submissive does not mean that we are putting ourselves in a place where we're not safe. Um, And that's really important. I'm glad that you shared those resources as well, because there is help and there is hope. Um, My, one of my mentors in college, um, and I think we may get the chance to hear from her at a later date, but um, I remember her saying to me as I was processing through some abuses of my childhood, it's one thing to say to someone, I forgive you for wronging me, for slamming my hand in the door. It's another thing to stick your hand back in the door and let it get slammed again. And Mm so um, for me, that was a really freeing, I've quoted that so many times, that was, you know, over 20 years ago, that it really sort of helped me to understand those boundaries of um, when God talks about submission, when he talks about yieldedness, when he talks about forgiving versus Um, us placing ourselves in a position to be sinned against over and over again, which really ultimately is sinning against that person because you're enabling them to continue. So yeah, thanks for sharing those resources. Really important to go. And we'll put the links to those as well in the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So that section, it ends with, then they will not bring shame on the word of God. So we have all these instructions. And the ultimate goal is that those who are looking on We'll see what we're doing and it will give glory to God, not bring shame on what God tells us to do or how to live. That this is for our benefit, for the benefit of those who don't yet know Jesus and for the benefit of those who are walking with the Lord, who are trying to figure out how to do it better. And most times when we talk on mentoring, every message I've ever heard on mentoring kind of ends right there. Mm. And the Lord revealed to me in his kindness was that none of this can happen outside of the context of relationship and with that we'll press pause and we'll see you again in part three of the be the mentor series you can tell that this is a passion of our hearts we want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the more to be podcast join us for part three in our next episode we're praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with god and his word during our time together today May you continue to think biblically and live authentically to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.